to teach the younger generation also to not be afraid, to not be in a position where they think they can't do something, that they're not smart enough, especially the females. You are smart. You are strong. You can do anything that you try, anything that you want to learn. You just learn all you can about it so that you can be the best at it. And no one can sit there and tell you you can't do it. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries, a community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Hey ladies, it's time to put your badass boss babe hat on. Head over to femcanic.com's resource page and create your personal listing and your business listing if you have one of those too. No cost to you at all, just shameless self-promotion. Talent recruiters for jobs, radio, and TV gigs have leveraged this page to discover talent. Come on ladies. It's time to get your self-promotion on. Remember, femcanic.com, resource tab at the top, and click the Yes, I'm a Badass Woman. Bethany Bowman is in the driver's seat today. Bethany was born into a family that loves cars. She earned her automotive degree from UNOH in Lima, Ohio. She started her career at a dealership and went on to build and repair P-Series superchargers and high-performance engines. Now, she co-owns a mobile repair business with her husband. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Hello, Femcanics. This is Jamie B. coming to you, and I have Bethany Bowman in the driver's seat today. How are you doing, Bethany? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Jamie? I'm doing well. It's crazy to think that we met over two years ago, and I had the privilege of meeting you in person, literally the day that Femcanic Garage podcast launched. It launched with two episodes, and the same day that it launched is the day that I met you. It's crazy, right? Yes, very crazy. So here we are, 80 episodes later. And I'm able to get you in the hot seat now and feature your story. So I'm excited to have you on the show. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. One of my all-time favorite parts of being able to interview women is learning about their story and really letting the listeners know all the different ways they can get into the industry, how different women intentionally get into it, stumble upon it, trip into it. Who knows, right? But yours goes back pretty far to your childhood. Why don't we start back there? When did you realize you caught the automotive bug? Well, I like to say it's in my blood. I was born with it. My father used to drag race a front engine dragster, and he's got a 55 Bel Air, too. And my mom's got a 68 Camaro. And I grew up at the racetrack every single Saturday, all week. We were working for Saturday to go to the racetrack and go racing. So it's kind of where I've been born into. That's fun. And what I love about that, it wasn't just your dad. It was your mom. 
So did they ever have like friendly wagers on <laughs> did they ever compete against one another in any way? No, they were in different classes so that they weren't going against each other, but my mom was always there helping dad with all the cars. So your mom did drag racing too? Yes. That's way cool. <laughs> I mean, you typically hear about the dads that do the drag racing, but your mom's like, no, I'm not sitting on the sideline. I'm joining in on the fun too. <laughs> yes. yes. What a great role model. That's awesome. So you grew up around the track. Do you have an affinity for drag racing or do you get any, into any other kind of racing? Because I, I remember seeing some posts on your Instagram of a of a little Bethany with her junior drag racing. Now, has it always been drag racing that you kind of got into or do you do any other kind of racing? Well, growing up, it was always drag racing. Um, we like to call circle track racing roundy round racing because they just go in circles looking for the finish line and never finding it. <laughs> then when I met my husband, that just happened to be the kind of racing he likes. <laughs> so <laughs> he also liked dirt track circle racing. So when we moved to Kansas City, we kind of combined it together. And now we like mud runs and more of like a mix of both of them. We put drag racing and the mud runs together and we like to go to those. But Help the listeners understand when you say mud racing, I mean we can draw some conclusions as to what that is, but what is actually mud racing? Um, you take a truck for us, especially coming out of college. It was the truck that we could get with the parts that we could get. And you just drive as fast as you can through the mud and hope you don't get stuck. And then you just kind of tear around and have fun with it then. Yes. Yes. That sounds like a blast. It is. That sounds like a lot of fun. So that was at a young age. Kind of walk us through where did you get into some automotive courses when you're in high school? Um, well, it was seventh grade was the first small engines class that I took. And I, I got to go to a, a good school that had the option to take small engines class. And we had electronics classes and a couple other trades classes. And I took all of those. And then my family actually moved about an hour and a half away from where I grew up. And I took automotive class there and we got to be NATEF certified. So we started off, I think there was about 30, 40 kids in the class to start with. But then we got to take the test and everything and figure out which class we were in. And I got to be one of the five that went into the NATEF program. And we got to take tests that would count for ASE certification level tests. The teacher that we ended up having, he was an amazing teacher. And with only five of us being in the class, we were able to mess up and he could show us the right way to do things and show us real life situations when working on cars. So I was really blessed to be able to have that opportunity. Now I'm making an assumption here, but I'm guessing you were the only female. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, what was that like for you? And and I hear different experiences from different women. Um but how were you received? Were like what experiences did you have as being the only female, probably in I imagine middle school and your high school classes? Is that accurate? Yes, I was. Um, in seventh grade was a little hard. There's kids that would spit at me for going into the class. Oh, hold on! I gotta give me one moment. I gotta process that. <laughs> now, where did you live? Upstate New York. So in upstate New York. I'm 
I'm guessing boys, middle school boys, would spit on you? Yeah, well, they'd spit at me. I, or, I'd punch them. So Well, <laughs> good job, Mom and Dad. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, uh, I shouldn't say that. But uh, when I hear that, it just makes me mad. Did you ever share that with your parents, that they were doing that? Um, No. <laughs> I would tell them that they weren't being nice, but I didn't want to tell them that. And just out of curiosity, why? Because I didn't want them to know I was having a hard time at all. And you're a parent now, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. What would you want your children to do with you? Well, I would want them to tell me, but then I also would want to go take the situation into my own hands. So part of me wouldn't want them to tell me because I would take the situation into my hands. But I also think that I've taught them, like my parents taught me, to stand up for themselves and when they see something that is obviously wrong, to do something about it. it I'm, ha- I'm speechless. Like, I'm sitting here thinking if someone spit at my kid, <laughs> like, it's on. Like, I'm, whew, I'm with you, Bethany. Like, it's hard as a parent not to want to take it into your own hands, but yet you want to empower your children to handle it. Yep. But it's hard. Like, mama bear instinct kicks in, you know what I mean? Was it one of those things that just happened once? No, it happened a couple times. Some of the kids would pick on me. Most of the kids I went to school were great, Mm -hmm. wonderful people. But, you know, there's always a couple that are not the nicest. How did that affect you? Yeah, other than just having to be ready to fight when I needed to, it wasn't that big of a deal because you kind of feel like that's the way the automotive industry or any male-dominated industry kind of has that feeling, especially when I was in school a long time ago. So I guess the the feeling of it was already there. You already prepared for it. Now, when you say feeling, talk a little bit about that. And I have an idea, but I, I, I want to just understand your your perspective. Just that when you're the only female in a male-dominated class or in a situation where there's obviously a bunch of men in you, you either need to be really, really smart or you need to be really, really tough. Both. Or somehow you're accepted, which as I got older, I did. The acceptance happened a lot better than it did in grade school. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to reference back to I had interviewed um, Brianna Lynch. And it's interesting around middle school age. I've told other people this. I think middle school is a bad social experiment. (laughs) I don't know what. It's like a cruel social experiment. (laughs) I think middle school is the toughest. But she shared with me that like she was into dirt bike racing and things like that. And she had similar struggles uh, where she'd get made fun of for liking to do dirt bike racing and stuff like that. And it's interesting to me. She's she's now a um, stunt driver for Hollywood, the youngest um, stunt yes. driver for Hollywood, and how that impacted her longer term in life. Like this is a simple example, but she still wears oversized sweatshirts now, and I'm like, wow. It, it's interesting how these things carry throughout our lives, and I partially spend time on this because I know there's some young listeners of Femcanic Garage and for them to learn or maybe a parent hears this and is able to sit down and listen to this with their child 
Because sometimes it's just us knowing we're not alone. Yes. I listened to hers and I completely heard her. As I got older, I did get into boxing and that was something I did for many, many years to train to box, which might have come from that feeling of having to fight, Mm -hmm. fight to go to class, fight to do something I knew how to already do. But I, that's what I like doing. So that's what class I wanted to be in. It manifested in a physical way where other people may fight with words or, you know what I mean? Fill in the blank. Yeah. Um, wow. Thank you for being willing to kind of go down that journey down memory lane. You're in high school now. And from what you shared is the older you got, the easier it got and the less uh, confrontation you ran into and you stumbled upon more accepting. Did you experience that in high school or did that come later? Well, uh, like I said, in high school, 11th and 12th grade, when we moved the vocational center that I got to go to, I ended up with the best teacher that any child could have. And we had five people in our class. And so those five other guys that were hanging out in class with me, we were all learning the same thing at the same level. We all accepted each other as friends, and I still talk to some of them to this day. I still talk to my automotive teacher to this day, actually. And he was very good at teaching us and letting us mess up and letting us learn from our mistakes. And I think just when you go through that with other kids, especially when you're going through that learning process and you're messing up and you're having to relearn again, you just get accepted. I guess you're just, you're going through the same struggles. It's like you're on a team. Yeah. Like that um, brotherhood, sisterhood or familyhood, you know, it's at that point, it's kind of like a a family. Where did you go after high school? Did you continue pursuing that as a career then? Yes. After high school, I wanted to get out of upstate New York. And so the University of Northwestern Ohio. It's in my backyard. Yep. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so they sent on a thing and I was accepted. So I went out to Ohio and that was a little different. The, the people that were in class, most of them were, we were all there for the same reason. We all wanted to work on cars. We all wanted to learn how to work on cars. The class I went to was uh, midnight to six o'clock in the morning so Ooh. that I could work during the day. Oof. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. I had no clue they are. I'm sorry, it's taking me a moment to let that one sink in. <laughs> Midnight to 6 a.m. You only had four days of school, so it wasn't that bad. Wow, I, I just, I had no idea. I just have these aha moments when, when I learn from each one of you. And there's just certain messages that keep being reinforced with me, Bethany. And that's, if a woman is in this industry, they've completed their schooling, and they are working in a shop somewhere. I don't know how anyone could ever question their loyalty to the industry or interest or drive for the industry because they had to go through some stuff to be where they're at. And not that men don't. It's just women have more shit to go through (laughs) and deal with. That's, wow. Well, from college, though, I do see a little bit of where the persona comes around because some of the girls that I went to college with were definitely just there to look for somebody to end up with. Like it was more of like a um, uh, a Tinder thing. 
<laughs> yeah. That, swipe, yeah. Swipe left? Really? Before, before there was social media. <laughs> that was... That's why Ugh. when I met you, what I had said, I'd been in the industry for almost 18 years at that time, and I'd never seen that many women all with an actual love and want to be working on cars and around cars and I could talk to them and it wasn't it wasn't a competition and it wasn't this like oh well I know more than you everybody was there to support each other so women and machine that event that I met you Mm -hmm. at that was the most exciting thing that I think has happened in my whole career was going there and seeing there's other people like me they're not those females that just come in and try to look for somebody to say hi to and you know end up on a date with it was actual real love for what they were doing and and the work that they were doing too the yeah the ability to do it and how everybody knew what they were talking about it was so awesome to get to have one of those conversations with other females instead of just the guys yeah yeah for sure i'm with you that's one of the reasons why i started femcanic garage the, the podcast For that exact reason, Bethany, to be able to sit down with women just like yourself to have these conversations. And I listen to your podcast about twice a week on my way to the gym. I listen to it on the way there because it just makes me feel happy. It's so wonderful that there's other women in automotive that really want to be there and they do have a love for cars and they do want to learn and they want to make this world a better place with mechanics. Yeah, yeah, mechanics and painting, you name it. It's yeah. just, it's its such a plethora of options. Okay, so you, I'm just playing it back in my head. You're at college. Is that a two-year program? Yes, it was a two-year. You could go um, six-week module. Uh-huh. So, like, for six weeks you would, in transmissions class, you would just be learning about automatic transmissions. And then there was manual transmissions. But you'd go into class and learn what you need to do, then take apart some transmissions, put them back together, and pass your test, move on to the next one. Now, did you have a good experience there? Yes, I believe college was pretty good other than, well, I learned a lot from the other females that I ran into there. It didn't cross my mind why some of them would be acting like they were. Mm -hmm. Like, why would you come to class if you don't want to learn? Just so that the listeners aren't, I guess, making anything up in their head. When you say acting the way that they were, can you give like an example or two of how they were acting? Um, like we had uh, shop shirts, you know, shop shirts, you button them up. Yeah. And they would purposely have them unbuttoned for the whole class to see. So there's one or two girls in the class and you have how many men in front of you and they're in college. <laughs> what do you think they're going to pay attention to? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> or... They'd be falling asleep in the middle of class, and then when it's time to take a test, like, hey, do you know the answer to this, or do you know the answer to this? And, no, I studied. No, you can't copy off me. Go away. Wow. Okay. Like, that's so unprofessional. Okay. I'm sure it's not all of them. Not all of them. Well, clearly. But just the ones that I ran into. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But as far as, like, instructors in the school itself, would you recommend that to um, other femcanics? Yes, I do think um, when I went, I know the instructors, they were all pretty good instructors and they would help if you needed help. And I have nothing negative to say about any of them, but I don't know how it is now mm-hmm. because that was in 
2004, 2005. Yep. So gotcha. Hopefully it's stayed the same. Or even gotten better. Who knows? Yes. That would be wonderful. Now, did they have a program where they help place students or did you have something already lined up once you graduated? Um, as I was graduating, I didn't really want to go back to New York. I wanted to see the United States and what was going on out here. Mm-hmm. And uh, by that time, I had met who's my now husband. And Did you meet him in Ohio? Yes, he was in my electronics class, actually. <laughs> and the difference between you and the other women is that you weren't looking for it. That's the difference. You actually did go on and have a and continue to have a lucrative career focused on that. Yes. Him and I, we started off our conversations with, at the time, I had a little Dodge Dakota pickup truck, and he had a little Nissan pickup truck. And we were leaving class one day, and I was like, ha, my truck's bigger than yours, because, you know, maybe an inch taller. Mm-hmm. And then he came to class with a 79 Ford on 40-inch tires and a 460 <laughs> in it. And yeah, so he had a bigger truck than me. So. This time he had a bigger truck. <laughs> Yeah. Now, is he from Ohio? Nope. He is actually from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Okay. Got it. Okay. After you graduated, you wanted to see the U.S. So where did that take you? He went to a job fair and he got a job in Kansas City for Creek Carrier. He works on diesels. Okay. And so he was like, hey, do you want to go to Kansas City with me? I said, sure. Why not? (laughs) So... We went to Kansas City, and I was blessed to end up with a job. I worked at a couple dealerships. I worked at Lincoln Mercury Mazda, and then I was able to get in with ProCharger, and I was building superchargers for them, and that was a wonderful experience there, too. That's way cool. Now, I want to fast forward a little bit. I want to look at maybe the last three years? Because you obviously have experience, you've been at various shops, but you and your husband decided to start your own business two years ago-ish? Um, 2017, January 2017 okay. we started. S- sorry, 2020 was like a black hole, so. <laughs> right? <laughs> I always, I, it's like I forget to include that year for my totals and yes. I need to start doing that. Um, so in 2017, and you guys are located where now? We did move up to Wisconsin for a little bit, but we came back to Kansas City. Uh, We feel like this is where we belong. So we're back right outside Kansas City now. Got it. So you guys started your business. Walk me a little bit through that because it is a topic and a a thing that kind of ping pongs around in a lot of people's head around starting a business. And there's, there's a lot to that. And... I think it's a big decision to make to understand if it's the right thing for you. Why did you and your husband decide to go ahead and start a business versus working for someone else? Well, the number one thing and the reason I left a couple of the jobs I was at was that some shops, not all shops, but some of them are just there to take advantage of the people walking in the door. They have quotas to meet. They have money they want to make. And we didn't agree with that. We wanted to start something where we could help people like he works on semi trucks so these truck drivers have to get from point a to point b and their truck breaks down in the middle of that and they still have to be there that's not an option for them to just sit around and go to a shop and wait for their truck to get fixed Mm -hmm. so we started off mobile and he started 
the diesels while I kind of hung out with the kids and did the paperwork at the beginning of it. And then as we started getting into it, my friends would ask me, well, hey, could you help me out with my car? Could you help me out with your car? Sure, why not? So I started bringing in automotive too, and I started working on that side also. And we just wanted to create something where when someone needs something fixed, they're not scared to come get it fixed. Mm -hmm. Many of my friends that are females, if you talk to them, they'll say that they'll never want to go to a shop because they don't know if this person's telling them the truth. Mm -hmm. We just really wanted to help people and do what we both know how to do. So that's where the business started. It was, I mean, any business, it's up and down. It's never like, this is great. We're going to do this forever. There's definitely some times where we're like, why don't we just go back to a shop? Yeah. Why don't we just go work for someone else? (laughs) This is hard. Well, then COVID hit. When COVID hit, your husband literally had just rented your first garage. Is that right? Right after I met you, we were going back to Kansas City to start working in a shop that we had started renting. And we were so excited because now we could have heat in the winter. (laughs) We could have fans when it's hot out. We could have a roof over our heads when it's raining. So we wouldn't have to be mobile anymore. And all of our customers were going to come to us and it was going to be so wonderful. (laughs) And we come back and it it was, it was great to be in the shop and to have the protection from the elements and the heat and the cold and everything. But we still had customers that were breaking down and needed us to go to them. And then COVID came and shut everything down. And we were already in a position where we had been at the shop almost a year and we were uh, I don't know if we want to keep doing this. I don't know if the cost that we're putting out is making any profit at the end of the day. Um, my son was always with me. And so maybe he needed to be in a different area, not in the shop all the time with just the random people that would come around the shop. Mm-hmm. So we were already kind of planning on maybe going back to mobile. And then COVID came and that just kind of sealed the deal. Yeah. And my two older girls, they came home from school and I kind of got forced back out of work for a little bit and we started homeschooling and the kids loved homeschooling and don't want to go back to normal school. So we are still a homeschooling family. If you were to go like tell the listeners, what is one or two lessons learned about when I say opening up your own business, it's, it's been open for a while, but you you made that next level plunge in getting a garage. If you could go back and give yourself advice and give advice to the listeners, what's one or two lessons learned that, hey, I wish I would have known this then? I wish I would have listened to some of the business things that I had listened to when we started our business and not to put ourselves in a position where we could get over our heads, where there'd be too much money going out and not enough money coming in. And then another part of being in the shop and I would be face to face with the customers and I know what's going on with the car and I've been doing it for so long. To me, it's easy. Okay, this is what's wrong. This is what we need to fix. But then they would, some of them that were having a hard time, they would tell me this is going on, that is going on, and I would feel bad. And so we'd put them on payment plans or things like that. But with the having the overhead of the shop, that was not a good business decision. <laughs> Yeah. So I would make sure you have the ability to afford, if you're going to go from something where there's no overhead to a lot of overhead, 
you need to make sure that you have the resources available or the guaranteed income constantly coming in to be able to make that big step. Because if you just jump in, you might sink. Got it. That's sound advice. Now, I want to spend a little bit of time about this homeschooling. Because when you and I spoke before, and I was listening to you, I'll be the first to admit, when I, when I originally thought of homeschooling, you know, pre-COVID, I wasn't a fan of it. And I wasn't a fan of it because I, I struggled with understanding how kids can build that social skill muscle through homeschooling, especially with um, social media and uh, kids literally texting each other and not even calling each other. (laughs) So that's where I kind of got hung up. But one of the things in talking with you that I learned is that, and this just shows my naiveness and ignorance around it, is that it's a community in itself that a lot of mothers and fathers that do the homeschooling um, collaborate with one another in various groups and sometimes invite each other to actually teach lesson plans to their children. In my mind, it's like homeschooling. You're literally at home all day and it's only you teaching them. And that really opened my eyes to this and opened my mind up around it. So thank you for that. But what I really loved is how you incorporated your skills that you have learned through your training and education in the automotive industry You've incorporated it into hands-on learning in some of your science and like STEM type lessons. Do you care talking about that a little bit? And you kind of stumbled upon it in a way, the way that you described it. Yes. Yes, I definitely stumbled upon it. I never, kind of like mechanics, there are definitely points where you're like, I don't know if I'm smart enough or I don't know if I can do this job or if I'm strong enough or, and homeschooling was the exact same feeling of, I'm in charge of my children. I'm in charge of what they learn. I don't know if I can do this. (laughs) And when the very first shutdown happened, the kids were looking for something like, please teach us something, mom. We want to do something. We don't want to just sit here. So we started off, we built a pirate ship because we read a pirate book. So then we built a pirate ship. Then we'd go outside and we'd look at a bug and then I'd have to figure out everything about the bug to show them the bug and kind of how automotive I've done the same thing. If I don't know something, I have to learn it so that I can know what I'm looking at or know what I'm working on. And so it's kind of same thing just happened with the kids. And it was really easy to teach them like, hey, guys, do you guys want to learn how to do brakes today? (laughs) So I have a brake job. Let's go do a brake job. Let's uh, qualify this a little bit. By the time COVID hit, you have had how many years of experience? Um, Well, I started in seventh grade with small engines, and I would work with my dad in the garage. Um, So industry training, it would be from 2004 till 2020. 16 years. That's awesome. So you're not a rookie by any stretch. You're you're an expert at this point. So you kind of, out of necessity and kind of running out of things... To think of to teach them about, you're like, well, I, I understand this really well. <laughs> Let's give this a whirl. Now, what did you end up finding out? Like, you stumbled upon it, 
how did the kids receive it? Were, did they seem interested? What, what was that like for you? That was the best part of all of it because, like I said, I had no idea what I was doing. And I just start showing them things I do know and anything that they kind of showed an interest in, if it was mechanical in any way or building in any sort of way, I knew how to do that. I knew how to teach them that. So I would go in with them and we'd do whatever they were interested in. And the kids absolutely loved it. And my oldest, she was like, Mom, can you continue homeschooling? Because I really like this. I want to keep doing this. So we ended up buying a real set curriculum so that they have math and they have English history. And then science is my favorite to teach them because we can do so many hands-on things. And the book will say, okay, do this. And I get to go, okay, we get to do this and make it <laughs> make it your own. So much bigger. Yes. <laughs> and they love it. And the homeschool group that I am part of, each mom that's there has something extremely special that they can bring to the group. One knows history very well. One knows math very well. Another one knows how to speak Spanish and we don't know how to. And we all have been talking about how we can bring this to the group and we can teach each other, teach our kids this, just like a co-op type situation. And they asked me about, could you teach automotive? Could you teach science? Could you help with this kind of thing? And I never thought I could teach my own kids. And now there's opportunities to teach other kids. I mean, how cool is that, Bethany? Yes. When I heard you share this story, like my mind was blown. And I'm like, wow, how cool would this be? And a lot of the schools don't offer anything, if they even offer it at all, until high school. Yes. If you live near me, Bethany, I'd be giving you a call and saying, hey, <laughs> I want to put my kids in your class. My daughter's not into cars. I would still make her go through it. And the reason why I'd make her go through is because I think there's so much value in understanding it. Now, I think my son, he, he has ADHD and he, he learns by using his hands, right? And yep. something like that. Wow. You need to move closer. <laughs> but we talked about- I like to travel. I, I, told, I told you, I'm like, you should literally build a curriculum in class around this and record yourself when you're teaching your children this. And you could repurpose that and maybe sell training to other parents. Yes. Yes. And maybe inspire other parents that have something that they're good at, that they can do the same thing. Because anything, especially with the younger children, if there's something they're interested in, like, let's say my daughter, my oldest daughter, she's the opposite of me. She likes makeup. She likes hair. She Girl, likes my, my daughter is the same way. And I just sit there. I'm like, how are you, my child? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> but I took the interest that she had and I said, okay, well, if you want to wear makeup, let's figure out what's inside the makeup. It's brilliant. And like, any, anything you look at can be mechanical. For, well, I have a mechanical thinking to things, but you can look at makeup as mechanical. You just have to break it down and figure out what it's made of and how it reacts with your skin, just like how oil would react with an engine or coolant. It's all kind of the same thing, even though it's drastically different. It's still kind of the same thinking. It's the same principles. Yes. Yeah. So if we could spark the children that are at the eight, nine years old where they're starting to find what they like... If we could spark them to learn more about it, 
then maybe that's something that they can carry on just like I did with automotive. They can carry on throughout their adult years. Absolutely. And, you know, my, my son really loves gaming. And as a parent, I, I'm torn, Bethany, because I really feel that kids today have too much screen time. And what I love about what you're doing is it gives a different option, right? Where you're getting hands-on and getting your hands dirty, so to speak, whether that's in makeup or whether that's working on an engine or brakes. There's such brilliance to it. And I'm rooting for you to take that to the next level. Whatever I can do, uh, and share with you on some of my things that I've learned along the way to help bring that to fruition for you. Uh, I would be more than happy to help in any way because I, I think it's brilliant. And I think part of what we need to do to solve this shortage in our industry is to start at a younger age than what we do. I agree. And to teach the younger generation also to not be afraid to not be in a position where they think they can't do something, that they're not smart enough, especially the females. You are smart. You are strong. You can do anything that you try, anything that you want to learn. You just learn all you can about it so that you can be the best at it. And no one can sit there and tell you you can't do it. Yes. And the thing is, is that what I try, what I try to do is like for my son, uh, connect the dots back to cars around computers. Cars have 20, 30, 40, 50 different computers on them now. The automotive industry is no longer just mechanical. It it, it is a true STEM industry now. There, there's just no way around it. And that can get that can become a lot of fun um and, and pretty darn neat. Yes. And for the kids that are doing a lot of stuff on the computers, when they're working on these cars that are run by computers, they may be able to figure out better ways to make these cars run or more efficient ways to make them run or to stop glitches that are happening yeah. because they've started at a young age knowing how the computer works. I have no idea how a computer works. I would much rather work on a mechanical car. but Yeah. <laughs> Tuna carburetor. Yeah. I, I got you. Yes. <laughs> I'm with you. What has it been like for you being in this industry and being a mother? That has been one of the hardest parts of all of it. Um, I actually left ProCharger because I didn't think I could continue working there because I was pregnant. And I didn't think that I could continue a job in the industry while having a child. And I went into fitness for a year, actually, to try to have a job where I could stay with my child. And the the love of fixing things pulled me back. And I went right back into the automotive industry. What do you know now? Now, was that uh, your monkey mind? And I say yours. We all have a monkey mind, right? Uh, some of those... Uh, limiting beliefs that we often impose on ourselves? For sure, yes. Um, if I could go back, I would have never left. I would have never went into... Well, I do love fitness also, and you need to be in shape to be able to work on cars. So they all kind of went back together. I'm actually still doing stuff with fitness today, 10 years later, um, because fitness is so important to be able to efficiently do a mechanical job 
it's needed. So I guess what I did learn has helped me now, but I wish I would have never thought I couldn't have stayed in the industry. What would you tell other girls or young women that maybe they just found out they're pregnant or maybe they're not pregnant, but they know one day, hey, man, I'd I'd really like to start a family. I'd really like to have a child. But they're questioning whether they can have both have children and be successful in this industry, what would you tell them? I would tell them, don't think you can't be successful. Stay with where your heart wants to be. So staying in the automotive field doesn't have to mean that you're still actually wrenching on cars either, which I didn't realize back then either. You could move up in a position and go into a service rider position, or you could go into many other fields. We could teach mechanics. We can just do parts. You know how wonderful it would be to have wonderful parts people? We have one really, really good parts guy. And (laughs) the other ones kind of make life hard. So you could be used in so many places in the automotive industry where you could make a wonderful impact. Don't have to think that you can't stay in the industry for any reason. You just pivot and move to a different position that you can work well being pregnant. That's brilliant advice. Brilliant advice. What has been your greatest accomplishment in your career, Bethany? Um, I'd like to say my greatest accomplishment. I got to teach some women and teens at my friend's coffee shop. It's called Blendwell Cafe in Independence. And it was right before COVID (laughs) when we still had the shop. But I got to go and teach other women and teens about just general maintenance about a car and how it works and things that they should be listening for or paying attention to. And many of those women, when our shop shut down and they went to other shops during COVID, they would call me and say, hey, do you know if this is okay? Or you showed me this when we were in class. Is this what they're supposed to be doing? And is this a good price for it? And I was able to talk them through it so they weren't so scared of being in a different shop Mm -hmm. or having their car worked on. But just getting to a point mentally where I was confident enough to talk to other people and teach them what I knew, what I've been taught for so many years, that was huge for me. I think that kind of leads into my next question. What's been your biggest challenge as you navigated the industry? I think just what direction to go and to stay in. Working on cars has always been kind of easy because if I didn't know something, I would just get a manual or a book and I would learn what I needed to know to be able to do it. Being physically strong was a struggle at one point, but I just worked out more to be able to get the tires off or to turn the wrench or did what I needed to do to get the jobs done. So I think just keeping my trajectory where it should have stayed and where it needs to be That was the hardest. The mental part of it was the hardest. Isn't it? (laughs) It really is. I think everyone experiences this at one point in time in their career. But my my biggest challenge, Bethany, has been imposter syndrome. I I, I just, you fake it till you make it. But I remember being in a hotel room. It was actually Women in Auto Care Conference. And I was, uh, I went up with Amy and Bogey to their room and it was Jody DeVere's room. They, they were all in it and we were just chit chatting because we we're going to go down and, but we were sitting up there just chit chatting and I was just saying, 
how amazing and impressed. I was just talking about all these amazing women at this conference and, and Bogey just stops and looks at me and says, Jamie, you talk like you're not one of them. And that's all she said. And I just sat there for a moment, which seemed like an eternity, Bethany, and thought to myself, why don't I look at myself that way? Why as women, do we not look at ourselves that way? We, we can look at other women and see it in them. And what's crazy is a lot of times those women don't see it in themselves. Yep. But yet, it's kind of the genesis of Femkin and Kraj. You know, it's interesting. I, I interview all these women. And when I sit here and listen to you and I hear you say that, and here you have 17, 18 years of experience, like hardcore experience, but yet you you still struggle with imposter syndrome. I'm two and a half years in this podcast thing and have interviewed some of the who's who of the industry, and I still have massive amounts of imposter syndrome. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And and sometimes me hearing other women struggle with the same exact thing normalizes it for me and gives me the space to try to move through it. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Yes, that that is why it was so huge for me to go to Women in Machine and to meet Faye and to meet Bogey would be like one of those dreams because I watch her on TV and you can just see she radiates like you just said. Well, why are you not looking at yourself this way? Yeah. To have women that I guess are at the celebrity status that it, I always look at them and I watch them on TV like I could never be that wonderful. But but even Faye, she's helping me with a um, I'm doing a suicide run for um, one of the kids that was in my automotive class. He passed away this January from suicide. Do you mind me asking, Bethany, how old was he? He was born in 87. Man, that's mental health has such a taboo around it, Bethany, that we need to figure that out as a society. Suicide is not a selfish thing. Depression is not a get over it thing. PTSD is not work it out. I've shared it multiple times. I have ADHD and I, I struggle with that. Yep. Especially my, my dad's generation. I'm 42 years old and I know my dad has ADHD. I, I know it. But it was a bad thing to be diagnosed with anything in his generation. It was like something was yep. wrong with you or you're less than. So I'm definitely not going to go get diagnosed with anything. And quite honestly, who knows if there was even a diagnosis available at that time because it's evolved so much. But we still have a lot of work in society around mental health stuff. And just because you yes. go to a counselor or a therapist doesn't mean you're broken. Quite honestly, when people say that, I want to applaud them. Good for you having the knowledge and like self-awareness to say, you know what, I'm, I'm struggling with trying to figure this out on my own. So I'm going to go get some help. When the shutdown happened, I, I got restless and I have a certificate in temperament counseling and Christian temperament counseling because I wanted to know how people worked because with this COVID and the kids being home and how they would react with being home and not being at school. And so I went and got certified with that also just because I wanted to know 
what to look for and what to watch for in the kids if something was to come up. I have so much respect for you, and you are an amazing mother. You are an amazing mother because the person who can realize that, hey, I don't have it all figured out and it's okay to go ask for help. And and as women, we we have this superwoman or super mom uh, ignorance sometimes (laughs) and takes over the best of us where we feel like we have to do it all. And it is okay to ask for help and asking for help and setting boundaries and demanding help sometimes is the greatest form of self-love. So kudos to you, Bethany. And I think this may be a good time based where this conversation is going to launch into the red line round, because I'm curious on how you answer these, uh, what the red line round is. And you know this because you've listened to the podcast, five rapid fire questions, no right or wrong answer to it. Whatever pops into your head is the right answer. Are you ready? Okay. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? Um, I would say first, my father. Um, he was always building engines and doing really cool things in the garage. And then second, right after that, is my high school automotive teacher because he let us mess up. He let us make mistakes and learn from them and be able to keep going and not give up. And what is dad and your instructor's name so that we can give them a shout out here? Uh, my dad is William Santangelo, and my instructor is Mr. Michael Johnson. Awesome. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for being a mentor to an amazing woman. Number two, where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or you get stuck on a job? I used to go get the manual. The because I like books, so I like the actual paper Going books old school. I love it. but the manuals are kind of outdated now and they do take longer if you want to get your job done faster so now the internet um i i'd like to do the youtube so you can watch them working and you can see where maybe i could change this or change that so it'll be a little more efficient for me especially on things that i might not be strong enough to have done especially when i was younger but yeah now it's basically youtube Got it. And what excites you most about what you do? Getting to teach somebody else something where they have an aha moment. Um, One of my best friends, I showed her how to put her tire on her car and it was the greatest day ever. She didn't think she could do it. And I was just there just in case she needed me. And I just walked her through the steps and she got the tire on and I don't cry, but I felt like I was going to cry. It was so hot how happy she was afterwards. And it's almost like a, a, a different level of confidence and swag that you see them grow from it. Yes. The empowerment, the I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Number four, what's a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in the industry when you feel stuck or discouraged, a habit or practice? It sounds weird to say it, but I like to study. I like to learn more, um, especially if um, I've done a couple engine swings and I would be comfortable with, uh, let's say, the 5.7 Ford because how many of those blow up? (laughs) 
<laughs> but then I'd get a smaller Hyundai come in and it needs a new engine. And I was, well, I haven't done this one 10 times. I don't know how to do this one. So I would engulf myself in everything I need to know to be able to do it. And for the listeners, when you say engine swing, that means? That the engine won't run anymore for any certain reason and that you need to take the whole engine out and put a new one in, preferably a brand new one, not a used one, make the car run again. Awesome. And finally, what is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in this skilled trades industry? I would say follow what you are interested in and what you feel called to do and don't give up in it. I love the simplicity uh, of that message, Bethany. Where and how can people connect with you if they have questions? Um, I have Instagram. I have two Instagrams. Actually, I have one that's my personal page, and then I have another one that is kind of fitness and automotive all kind of mixed together and how important fitness is needed for mechanics. And that one's called Castaway Customs Fitness. Perfect. And then our our repair business is called Gear Jammers Truck and Trailer Repair. There's the one I'm used to seeing, Gear Jammers. I love it. Yes. Bethany, thank you so much for being on the show. And I really loved learning from you about the homeschooling industry as a whole and really opened my eyes around it. So thank you for sharing your story. Yay. That's awesome. My name is Bethany Bowman. I am a mom, a mechanic, a fitness enthusiast, and a homeschooling mom, and I am a femcanic. Rebecca Schnell is in the driver's seat next. She is the driver of the Bigfoot Monster Truck. She got her start in the industry by first being a crew chief. She worked full-time, traveled with her husband— He's a monster truck driver as well, all while going to nursing school full time. Over the next seven years, this fire was ignited in her and she wanted to become a monster truck driver. Recently, she has taken the plunge into being a full time monster truck driver and said bye bye to her seven year career as an emergency room nurse. Be sure to tune in next week for this amazing interview. Until next time, Femcanics. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?